Really, really excited uh, to be speaking to you this morning and um, continuing our series on encounters with Jesus. Um, and for those of you that don't know or forgotten, um, we're actually in the middle uh, of a series in Joshua, uh, which might be a bit surprising, considering <laughs> we've not read from Joshua for quite a while. Um, but in it, um, Joshua and the people of Israel are camped outside of the Promised Land, uh, the land flowing uh, with milk and honey, um, uh, a place where this nomadic tribe can call home. Um, and I feel like milk and honey is a bit tame uh, in this generation, so why not swap it in for a land of uh, Instagrammable holidays and infinite takeaways, just to kind of show what that, what that means to them in, in, in their, their context. But they're camping with the Ark of the Covenant, which uh, contains the stone tablets with God's law. Uh, he's given them to the Israelites, and this is where his presence lives uh, in, in this Ark, and where God lives amongst them when they, as they carry the Ark with them. And, and Joshua is about to lead uh, Israel across the River Jordan, um, and he gets uh, into the Promised Land, and he gets his officers um, to speak to them, saying, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. And there shall be a distance not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go for you have not passed this way before we um, as a church in this time um, really resonate with this passage um, we haven't lived in this time before we haven't um, faced the challenges that we're facing uh, we haven't come out of a pandemic before we haven't been in this building um, and we haven't committed to gospel communities in this way so during this period, we're just fixing our eyes on Jesus during this time so we can know the way to go. Just like the Israelites were instructed to keep their eyes on the ark so they knew where to go. And as part of that, we've been, uh, we're uh, unpacking biblical stories of Jesus, um, seeing how he interacted with his disciples, the religious leaders of the time, with the crowds, those who sought out Jesus and those who Jesus sought out himself. And we're learning from him, seeing where he goes, seeing what he does, hearing his words and copying his actions, just like those early disciples would have done. Um, and this morning, uh, I'm speaking from one of my favorite passages of mine. Um, um, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in John 21 this morning, and I'm going to the mic. How's this? Does that sound any better? Give me a thumbs up if it's any better. Marvelous. Thank you. Right. John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. 
So they cast it, and now they were not able to hold it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were, there were met so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came back and took the bread and gave it to them. And so were the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Right. Um, this morning, guys, I've got five observations uh, from this passage this morning. So we know when, we, when I get to number four, uh, it's nearly over and you can uh, sigh a, a deep breath of relief. Um, but before, I actually want to transport you to that scene this morning. So we've got a bit of like, you know, interactive 4D experience for you this morning. Um, so we've actually got a, a video uh, to play of a nice crackling, roaring fire. Um, and... I've got some, uh, some nice smoked mackerel here as well, so hopefully if I can just waft this like, aroma in. Um, hopefully as the building like, warms up this morning, everyone can uh, experience this. Um, make, make sure... I think, uh, I think the music might be playing as well. Um, yeah, uh, make sure not to sit down on the, this this morning. And um, I even have the sea mist rolling in <laughs> for everyone to experience. <laughs> It's quite warm this morning. Look at that. You just want to be there right now. Um, well, I'll keep, I'll keep this playing. If you want to um, turn the volume down, but we'll uh, or mute, mute the, mo- the volume, but we'll, uh, we'll keep this playing. Um, I think what really struck, uh, that, that stood out to me in this passage is that it's so human and so God at the same time. Um, because you have these guys that have been following Jesus. They've seen everything that he's done in his ministry. They've listened to all of his amazing teaching. They've witnessed all the miracles, feeding of the 5,000, turning water into wine. Um, Simon Peter even walked on water with Jesus. All of the healing that Jesus did, all of those that couldn't walk, those with leprosy, even raising people from the dead and casting out demons from people. And last but not least, Jesus' own death and resurrection. It's quite a list. And you can imagine what that impact on these guys from being with Jesus. So at this moment, they know that Jesus is the Son of God. They heard him predict that he was going to die and and be raised from the dead. They knew that this was part of Jesus' plan. There was something different about Jesus during this time. He wasn't with the disciples all the time, and he appeared to them at different places and different times. And we're in one of those times when Jesus isn't with them. Uh, we find several, uh, seven of the disciples, um, they're in the region of Galilee where Jesus has instructed them to go. And he said, well, I'll meet you there. And I think this um, dichotomy of being in this um, just amazing place with Jesus, full of this spiritual high, and then this time where you're trying, you know, Jesus said, go to Galilee, but maybe he hasn't been more specific. 
and we're struggling with actually where where is Jesus in this period and Simon uh, Peter is like well we've got nothing really better to do might as well go fishing um, and the rest this is uh, the, the text of this isn't, isn't the most inspiring it's like yeah well we might as well go fishing as well why not I think the first point that I just want to um, draw out this morning is without Jesus we all drift a bit we too have that same experience of Jesus in our lives, where Jesus reveals himself to us. We start the journey of life transformation with him. It's radical, it's life-changing, and we start to see what work he's done in our lives and in the lives of others. His teaching impacts our lives. The Holy Spirit lives in us as we go uh, into our days, in our homes, our places of work, our schools, and our communities. And then for one reason or another, we lose sight of Jesus, and we start to drift. We think that we can do it on our own. We look at everything around us and we think, we made it, we, I did this, we earned it. And when we drift, what do we go back to? Old habits, those that are deeply ingrained within us. Because these guys started out as fishermen and before Jesus invited them into something more. Once a fisherman, always a fisherman. And in these moments, it's easy to go back to old sin as well. There have been times where I've gone back to old habits and old sins, almost sleepwalking into them. And I realize it's because I got distracted from my true calling in Jesus. I'm not saying that um, Simon Peter is, is sinning here. There's uh, nothing wrong with working, um, earning a wage. That's definitely not a sin. But if we look in the context of where Jesus what Jesus has said to them and what he's called Simon Peter into, we can agree that it's not the best thing for them at this moment. They're not doing the right thing in light, in light of God's calling. First of all, we know that's because we know that Simon Peter's doing this in his own strength. He's getting a bit hot and sweaty at work. He's taking off his tunic um, and he's doing the manual work himself to prove himself. Secondly, he's working in darkness. We have physical darkness because that's where how uh, the fishermen fished at that time so they could go out and catch the fish. But also spiritual darkness because they, they can't see Jesus at this time. And lastly and most importantly, he's fruitless. He doesn't catch anything. All a big waste of time and effort. And we do the same when we lose sight of Jesus and begin to do these things on our own. In our own strength, using our own abilities, in the way that we used to do things because they're comforting and known to us. Including the darkness can be quite comforting sometimes too. We don't actually realize when we're operating in that darkness, we have our eyes closed. And we're fruitless because we're not seeing God's kingdom being built here on earth as it is in heaven. And for me, personally, this takes a daily death to myself. For me, it's multiple times a day. I can praise God in one moment and then do something totally against what I know is God's best for me in the next. And I, I need that constant reminder that I need to ignore my own selfish wants and ambitions and look to Jesus because he, his plans for me are perfect. And in those moments, it's really easy for us to say, oh, Jesus is gone, he's left us. I'm feeling so distraught. Can't connect with God at all. Those moments can last quite a long time if we're in a, a time of spiritual uh, wilderness or desert. It 
in reality, Jesus is always there with us. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. And those times are an opportunity for us to grow more hungry for God, to press into him more. And if we say we can't see Jesus in our lives, are we searching for him? Where are you, where are you searching for him? Because I'd suggest starting in the written love letter to us before anything else, the Bible. These moments can be painful, but they strengthen our faith. And if we're vigilant with the signs um, that we're not focused on Jesus, we can train ourselves to recognize this earlier and go back to Jesus. Um, for me personally, it's like snap judgments. Have you ever been in that moment and you just like instantly judge someone in your head? You're thinking, where has this come from? This is not what Jesus has called me to, to be. This person is a child of God and I've just made a, a, a snap decision about them. And for me, that's my early warning sign that I know that I need to spend time with Jesus and I need to reorient my life and my priorities in that moment. So if we need to focus on Jesus, how, how do we do this? If we carry on with this account, we see that these guys are exhausted, they've worked all night, they've not caught anything. And the daylight is starting to arrive and they can see this man on the beach. And he gives them a, this bizarre instruction as if all the fish are crowding around one side of the boat. We don't know whether they um, suspected this was Jesus or if they were just too tired and were just willing to try anything at this point. But they give it a go. And suddenly they're inundated with fish. And John realizes it first, exclaiming, this is Jesus. It's really, really important that we remember that in these moments, Jesus is still there with us. God is so gracious to us. He knows that we're a distracted bunch. We know that we can, you know, we're following any old idol, any old golden calf. And through his spirit, Jesus invades our life and reminds us of who he is. Because just when we're at the end of our rope, we're exhausted, we've tried things for our way for a bit, we realize they don't work. God shows up. And what's more, he even blesses us. Even in our distraction and our wandering and our own doing things our own way, God can still bless us in these times. It doesn't even have to be fish. You'll be pleased to know. Things like new job opportunity, new relationship. God still speaks and gives good gifts to his children during these times. One of the most groundbreaking moments of my faith is when I realized that God's attitude towards me wasn't anything to do with my behavior towards him because his grace and his love. And yes, if we're not focused on Jesus, we'll miss the opportunities that he gives us to be a part of the eternal kingdom work he has here on earth. Yes, if we're not focused on Jesus, we will miss the transforming work that he has um, done within us and continues to do. Yes, if we're trapped in cycles of sin, we have to deal with the natural consequences to our actions. But in spite of all of this, God still moves. His grace can still bless us. Isn't that amazing? And what's special about this specific encounter is in this, the way that Jesus has performed this miracle is a throwback to how Jesus originally called Simon Peter. Luke 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the, the lake of Gen Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put, a little, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So in this moment where um, Jesus is on the shore, this miracle is a carbon copy of this original one, a flashback, a repeat. They'd seen this episode before. And not only is it a reminder of the previous times Jesus had stepped in to bless the guys, it's also a reminder back to their first calling from Jesus. Maybe even a gentle reminder from Jesus that they're not really supposed to be doing what they're doing at the moment. I think it's the same time, it's the same for us in these moments, because when we're reminded of Jesus, we're reminded of the, of the way that Jesus called us. And that's my third point this morning. Jesus calls us to more than we can achieve on our own. The reason why we gave to life to Christ in the first place, that encounter that we had with God that woke us up, allowed us to see the truth for the first time, the reason why we're all here this morning. In these moments, Jesus whispers to us, you are made for more than this. As he dragged us out of death into life, we need to hold on to that sacred encounter. Whatever it is, whenever it happened, this call is part of your story. It doesn't matter if you've been here for five minutes or 50 years, we're all called. And in this passage in Luke, Simon Peter's reaction is natural here. Not me. I'm a sinful man. You can't be calling me. I've said this statement over in my head a million times. But Jesus does call us, even in our sinful state. Why? Because he's dealt with our sin on the cross. He's after our hearts and our character, not our current flaws. And as we follow him, the sinless man, the unblemished lamb, we become transformed into someone that looks more like Jesus if we continue to keep our eyes on him. And that journey, as we follow him, is wild and wonderful. And as we reflect on our own calling, we also reflect on everything Jesus has done for us since then. Because another reason why I think we lose focus is that we just forget what God's done for us. I think it's just part of human nature. I know you're good, God, but what have you done for me lately? It's something that I quite often catch myself saying. Take a moment now, everyone, and just to think back to when you knew God for the first time. And then bring your mind forward and then everything that God has done for you since then. Isn't God good? Isn't it easy to forget? <laughs> What's interesting between these two passages um, is the evolution of Simon Peter's response to Jesus. Because um, I think the first time he let down the nets was probably just social pressure. This was a holy teacher asking him to do something. Everyone's watching. Uh, Simon Peter gives Jesus a bit of back chat and says, oh, we've been out all night. Why would we do this? We're not going to catch anything. The second time, no back chat. They just do it. Because they've seen what happens before when you obey Jesus' commands. 
you get impossible returns from improbable actions. Simon Peter doesn't stop there. Because we read at last daybreaks, these guys remember their calling and realize it's Jesus. And Peter can't wait. He's only a short distance from the shore, but he's too impatient for once the good type of impatience. So he gets dressed quickly, jumps out of the boat into the water, running to be with Jesus. My fourth point this morning, wouldn't that be great if that was our response to Jesus? What's our response to Jesus in those times when he comes back to us? Because quite honestly, sometimes for me, it's just a bit of warm indifference. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus, I remember this, yeah. I want that kind of hunger and drive to see Jesus in my life, as Simon Peter shows here. Instead, I fear, most of all, I'm like the other disciples. It's like, what about all the fish? Someone needs to go and collect that in. I'm not getting wet. We only have to wait a bit to go back to shore. We'll see Jesus eventually. Or uh, my favorite is like uh, Simon Peter always shirking his responsibilities. Off he goes, not helping us out here. We're the real heroes here. Does any of that matter? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is standing on the shoreline waiting for us. We We need to go. Just like what they did originally. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. There is nothing they needed to do. All they needed to do was leave what they have and follow Jesus. I've just got a couple of questions to ask you this morning. What's preventing you from running to Jesus this morning? What are we afraid to lose? What business do we need to attend, do we think we need to tend to? What concerns do we have about how people will think of us? What contexts in our lives lead us to more into our distracted state? And what blessings have God, has God given us that are keeping our feet on the ground? Blessings? God can give us good things and we can hold on to them and say, well, this is a good thing. Clearly it's from God. Clearly I have to tend to the blessing. I have to reap the rewards of the blessing. Not always the case as we see in this, Simon, uh, Simon Peter's reaction is just to leave the fish. Clearly a blessing from God. This is miraculous. And he leaves it and he goes. In both counts, he follows Jesus. We do get, have time to get dressed, though, so we don't have to follow Jesus without, without any clothes. You, you would be uh, pleased, pleased, pleased to hear this morning. I'd argue that Jesus has more for us than we would ever lose from following him. And for us to make that decision, we need to orient our, reorient our priorities from our earthly outlook to a heavenly one. Earthly one, this is a lot of fish. I'm going to make a lot of money from this, selling this at the market, to a heavenly one. This guy, Jesus, is my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow him. And if that's scary to you, I'd ask you to take those things to God this morning, because even... He can remove the delight in those things if you ask him. Reminder of the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because when we're with Jesus, we're in for a treat. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. 
And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. What did they find when they reached Jesus? Jesus already had breakfast ready. He was already thinking of the needs of his friends. Jesus has already made breakfast. He's got a fire going to help dry out a very wet Simon Peter at this point. And he's made himself available to them just to spend time with his friends. My fifth point and final, um, if you'd be pleased to know, is that Jesus meets our needs. And we, when we run to Jesus, he knows what we need in that moment. Whatever we need, whatever this life is throwing at us, we can find rest, warmth, feeding, company, and a listening ear when we run to Jesus. We find our answers to our desires in him. And in this moment, it reminds me of um, the Last Supper and the way that Jesus breaks the bread and distributes it out to his, his, the disciples. Because ultimately, we need Jesus' death on the, on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the first thing he gives freely to us. And our holy reminder of this gift is waiting for us on the shore. Secondly, he gives the opportunity to partner with him in his great plan for the restoration of the whole world. Hey, bring me some of those fish. Put them on the, on the bonfire. Jesus didn't need the fish. There are already some there on the fire. But he still gives us that opportunity. You know, whether you've ever had like a child to try and help you with a, a task that you're doing, and they might go and fetch one nail or something. They might go and fetch one small token. And you thank them. That's what God does for us. He doesn't need, doesn't need us. He's God. But he gives us that opportunity to partner with him and to learn from him. Come and contribute what you have. Let's all share together. What are you bringing to Jesus this morning? What do you have to share with him? What recipe are you cooking together? How are you reinvesting those blessings that he's given you into his kingdom? I don't know where you are at the moment. I don't know whether you're on fire with the Lord. I don't know whether you're, you're realizing you're not where you want to be with Jesus or you're coming to him for the first time. But you're here, so I do know that Jesus is calling you this morning. It's very, very convenient that you're here. It'd be very inconvenient and awkward if you weren't here this morning. (laughs) But if you can't currently see Jesus in your life, I'd encourage you to think back to your first calling. How and when did Jesus call you? What did he invite you into? And if you're not sure of what that is, The ordering of this account that we've read precedes the next encounter with Jesus in Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to preserve all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the, always to the end of the age. This is our calling, all of our calling, to go to share and carry out together. 
go and make disciples of all nations. That's one of the reasons why we also lose sight of Jesus in those moments, because we've forgotten what our original purpose is and what our calling is. We get too comfortable and our focus shifts on ourselves, our own comfort, rather than the holy task that Jesus has given us. Can I let you in on a little secret? You don't need a plane ticket to go and make disciples of all nations. You're in a nation right now. <laughs> um, and to be honest, if you're not making disciples in your current context, I'm not sure the other nations really want you. <laughs> maybe, have a, maybe have a practice here first. But yeah, here at Oasis, this is what we're trying to do with gospel communities. Um, I absolutely love Sunday mornings. Um, there's just so much life in us coming together to be in God's presence, to worship him, great fellowship, sometimes good teaching, with the uh, exception of today. <laughs> Just like it's wonderful to be around the fire with Jesus. But it's not where we're called to, because we're called to the mountaintop. That's where Jesus is going. Why does, he, why does he call us there? Because there is a whole world out there that needs to experience this fire too. And because we carry Jesus' presence with us, we carry that fire. It's not about us. We're not the fire. We're just walking firewood where God can place where he wants to. And it's good to gather. It's good to remind ourselves the reason why we do all this, to experience God's presence, to hear some terrible jokes, Share one another, encourage one another. But the task isn't to form a holy huddle. It was go and make disciples. And if we look to the model of Jesus, he taught thousands and hundreds. He sent out 72 to preach the good news. But he called 12 to leave their lives and follow him. And he invited three of them into an intimate friendship with him where he could reveal his glory. Three dirty, sweaty fishermen minding their own business, fixing their nets. Do you know what the least scary number out of all of those? Three. That's all it takes to get started. We might not quite have the miraculous entrance that Jesus did, but if we see someone that is struggling, who is hungry, who hasn't caught any fish all night, we can go and we can help them. If that's feeling too much of a burden, invite someone out to breakfast. It's biblical. Maybe just this once, uh, we'll let you have something a bit more exotic than bread and fish. We'll can add an avocado in or something. But before all that, before we're sent out, in this moment, Jesus is making himself available to us this morning. He's inviting us around the fire. He's meeting our needs. He's washed away our sin. And through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he's promised a new life for us. Can we run to him this morning? I wonder if we just. Um, I wonder if we will just take a moment and just just give this time over to God, um, to Jesus. Um, Matt, could you just put on the the volume just a bit of the hear the fire crackling together. During this during this time, why don't we just we'll just spend a couple of minutes, just between you and God, whatever you need to do in this time. If we imagine ourselves sitting around that fire, listening to Jesus. What is he saying to us?
Uh, Lord Jesus, just we, we thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for this wonderful story. How you went to find your friends that didn't know, really know what they were doing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you do the same for us. Wherever we are, Lord, this morning, thank you that you're, you're searching for us. All we need to do, Lord, is fix our eyes on you to find you. Run to you. And to share with you those things you've given us. Lord, I just, yeah, just pray for these guys here. Lord, as we're sent out this week, would you, your, your spirit, follow us, Father, with that holy fire within us. We pray for opportunities to reach out to those that don't know you. Pray for opportunities to serve. Thank you, God. Amen.